Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to Minisode 140 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer, occasional doer of musical things, and absolutely incredulous that we've done 140 of these. What? Just think of that, Mitch. We've done 140 of these, right? We've done almost exactly the same amount of main episodes, and we've also done bonusodes. In fact, we are like one or two episodes away from 300 broadcasts on the main feed. Sorry, who are you? <laughs> oh, I'm Andy Stewart, man. I got too caught up in the drama of uh, 140 minisodes. The sheer volume of this that is out of the world is something that I occasionally just kind of forget. I kind of lose sight of it. And then every now and again, I look at the numbers and I'm like, fucking hell, we've done a lot of stuff. Just think what we could have been doing with our time if we weren't doing this. <laughs> I could have learned a skill. Yeah, you'd like to believe we were doing something and we weren't just like sitting like with our hand in our pants. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I, to be fair, I'm going to count it as productive. Anyway, how are you doing? I'm alright, man. I'm alright. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all, not bad at all. Uh, busy week as ever. A couple yep. of things on the go, project-wise. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, taking over with extracurriculars, but making some room for some viewing. How about you? Yeah, me too. Gotta say, it's been a busy week, like, life-wise, but it's also been a busy week in the podcast. We've put out a fair amount of stuff this week. In the last week, I guess, we had Friday's main episode, Monday's minisode, uh, the Patreon episode on Satyr, the bonus episode on the Glasgow Film Festival genre stuff, then the main episode, now this. Yeah, fucking hell, man. Yeah, uh-huh. There won't be that much next week. There will be more, but yeah. there won't be that much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I have been watching some things, and I'm going to head this off right away by saying I don't know why I did this, right? Because I'll, I'll explain in greater detail in a minute, but I jumped onto Shudder and I watched Shook. Right, I watched this as well. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. Now, the reason I say I don't know why I did this is because with the exception of maybe Host and Unfriended Dark Web, you know that famously I don't really like tech horror. I know you do, but I'm not the biggest fan in the world of it. I wouldn't even necessarily say that I like it that much. I'd just say that on an average day, I'm probably a little bit more willing to gamble on it than you are. Yeah, I generally wouldn't. But when Host came out, I kind of knew I had to see it because of all the buzz around it. And I was it was absolutely justified. Um, I didn't particularly like Unfriended, but when I heard the buzz about Unfriended Dark Web being like, like this much darker and kind of generally nastier affair, I was like, well, I'm going to check this out. And again, I wasn't disappointed. But I'm not sure I could say the same about Shook. No, and I think that this is the problem with, uh, I guess, with tech horror as a subgenre, is that for every one Unfriended Dark Web or host, there's maybe five friend requests. <laughs> sure, sure. So I'm going to hazard a guess then that you weren't too hot on this. No, I don't mind telling you right now that I did not like this at all. Almost at all. Now what we have here is um, an influencer called Mia, mm-hmm. who is like, yeah, this person with this massive Instagram presence and all that stuff. And she heads to her sister's house. That's right, yeah, yeah, to dog sit. To dog sit. And then basically gets kind of drawn in to this kind of a game where she has to make a series of choices, basically about whether or not her friends live or die. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, there's a lot about this that annoyed me, but I, I thought kind of in the early going, there was some interesting stuff being said about the kind of vapid, false nature of influencers and that whole kind of insta-fame type thing. Like, the bit where they're kind of doing the media wall right at the start and then it turns out that they're in some kind of back alley like Rudy Giuliani at Total Landscaping. Yeah, 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 that was cool. Like, and I actually think that the, one of the things that I think the film gets right is some of the commentary that it makes on that entire kind of like subculture. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that for the first kind of maybe half an hour, there's some decent tension building done. Basically, when it starts and it's kind of like... Because it is very much... It kind of brings to mind the opening of Scream, I think. Yeah, I've actually got that written down because there's more than just a swipe of Scream in here. There's obviously a lot of phone calls and, like, question-and-answer games over the phone. But then there's, like, stuff about voice-changing technology and stuff as it relates to the phone. So I got more than a, a swipe of Scream from this. Nowhere near as good a film as Scream. No, but I think that, like, I think that the points where it's taking those kinds of slashers and trying to kind of contemporise it a little bit are probably the parts of this that work the best. Yeah. Before I get to my major problem with this film, there's a few little things that I just wanted to quickly talk about that annoy me so fucking much. Not just in this film... In general. Okay. Breathy cover versions. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I hate those too. Yeah, the film opens with a breathy cover version of Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. Yeah. I hated it. Got my hackles up right away, and that's the fucking credits. This is a this is this is a, a great epidemic in trailers. I find. Mm, yeah. Either either breathy acoustic covers of things, or doomy dirgy electronic versions of eighties and nineties pop standards. You notice the breathy cover version tends to be part of big budget action trailers. Yes. Aha. That's right. Maybe not the whole trailer, but there'll be a point where it kind of breaks down, and we get like like Age of Ultron did it with the kind of breathy slow version of. What was it? There are no strings on me or whatever it is from Pinocchio. Uh-huh. I hated it. I hate it here. I hate it in general. Not this film's yeah. fault. But no, no, just just very very uh, emblematic of where we are. The one that sticks out in my memory for that is the uh, Doomy version of uh, Destiny's Child Survivor in the Tomb Raider trailer. <laughs> I think about the only time that I can actually think of that working is uh, the I Got Five On It version from the Oz trailer. Wow, okay. <laughs> which is amazing. Um, but yeah, anyway, you were saying. Yeah, also, this film has an unbelievable amount of snot. <laughs> Blair Witch levels. More, way more than Blair Witch. Like, there was points I was... It was like that fucking garbage pail kid. <laughs> oh God, is it Sid? Yeah, I was just like, get that, get your fucking nose wiped. Like, even use your hand or your jumper. Like, I, I, the situation merits wiping your nose on your hand. It's fine. You're not going to be judged for that. Yeah. Like, but it's just every character just constantly just rivulets a snot pouring down their face. Also, Mitch, I hate fake diseases. I hate when people come up with fake disease names. Like, there's one in this, it's called Livingston's Disease. I think it's what the mum had and died from and what the sister has. But, like, it reminds me of, in, in Batman and Robin, right, Mr. Freeze's wife, and later later on in the film, Alfred, both come down with this affliction called McGregor's Syndrome. And I remember thinking, that's so fucking stupid, that's a stupid fucking name. Doesn't work well <laughs> in the mouth, and I don't think Livingston's disease does either. It's like they were almost too scared to like use something that exists in case they get the science of it wrong, but come on, man, fucking Google exists. Just pick yeah, a disease. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that either, I must say. But um, I'm getting the impression this isn't the, the jewel in the crown of your hatred, though. No, like I said, this isn't. these are just general things that annoy me. 
right, that just so happened to all fall in this one film. That's not a criticism of the film, but what is a criticism of the film is that I think that round about the hour mark, in fact, I'd say in the, the space between 45 minutes to an hour, I felt like I was watching this for too long already. Then when it gets to the hour mark, there is a sharp decline that just leads to this incredibly dumb plodding end. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, I th- I think that yeah, where this really falls down is the uh, there's a huge third act drop off, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, I. It's the classic. Oh, I didn't see that twist coming, but is that because it's a good twist or because it's the stupidest possible outcome? In this case, it's the latter of what you just said. Yeah. Um. I think that this works for me on paper. Like the the elements that are there, mm-hmm. kind of like a contemporizing of things like Scream and Saw. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah, give me all of that. Like, I'll give that a try. And I think that the thing that I probably would have expected to irk me was the kind of like unplug man sentiment. You know, that kind of like moralizing that you have about everybody being glued to their devices that you get in these kinds of things. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that also doesn't put me out massively in this. It just takes like what is kind of like a setup that should be fun, and then kind of like as it goes on, just seems to be less and less interested in having any fun with it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Did you watch anything better than this this week? Um, only the one thing, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. So I'm going to hand back to you because I presume you've had time to watch more than I have this week. Uh, just the one more, but yes, I did actually. I did a couple of rewatches. I actually ended up watching Snakes on a Plane again uh, <laughs> uh, last night for date stamp purposes. By the way, coming at you at eleven on the Saturday morning this week. But yeah, I watched it last night and also rewatched Lucky McKee's All Cheerleaders Die. Uh-huh. How did you get on with that? Because I know you're a big Lucky fan, but I know that that's the one that you have the biggest problem with. It's still the one that I have the biggest problem with, but watching it with fresh eyes did me some good, I right. would say. The main thing that I did watch this week was The Night Sitter, okay. which um, did the festival rounds a couple of years ago. It's available as a Fright Fest Presents title in the UK, so I watched this on Amazon Prime. Mitch, I like that you've got a silent kind of uh, side quest of your own going here, where you're filling in these festival kind of blind spots but you're doing it without any real fanfare you don't have like a theme tune i'm not screeching anything no it's just something that i've just started doing like i think like because with festivals being online and stuff this year i think that i've started to get a little bit piney for festivals it seems like somehow in my head i'm sating that by doing this uh-huh, got you um i'm just kind of trying to round out my knowledge also if i watch something that's good potential guests Sure, sure. Is another thing, which is exactly how we ended up having Danny Morgan on the show. Well, look how that turned out. Yeah, it was brilliant. Great time. But The Night Sitter, yeah, this is directed by Abiel Brune and John Rocco. And uh, is produced by many people, one of whom is uh, Jeffrey Reddick. Oh, cool. Um, Obviously, the brains behind Final Destination and Laterally Don't Look Back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. No. I know nothing about this. All right, okay. So this is kind of cool, I think. So basically what you have here is um, a babysitter uh, called Amber, except her name's not Amber and she's not a babysitter. She's a con artist. Oh. But she turns up at this person's house, uh, this guy Ted, who is this um, single dad who is kind of trying to sell his paranormal investigation show. Two networks. Um, and you see a little bit of that at the start. It's really fun. But he basically leaves. Uh, he, go- he goes out on a date with a woman who has a kid as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the two kids are in the house and she's looking after them. So basically after they leave, uh, the crew turns up to kind of empty the house. Uh-huh. But Ted's son goes into uh, his dad's office, which is like strictly off limits. And uh, finds what is basically like a kind of Necronomicon. And uh, unwittingly summons three witches. Right. This is like a little bit Home Alone, a little bit Better Watch Out, um, a little bit Evil Dead, but also with witches. 
This is very, very silly, but it's really, really fun. I like this quite a lot. It's not the kind of thing that I would race back to watch over and over. Okay. But like, in terms of just something to just kind of have on on a weeknight when I was kind of just like tending to things, it was one of those things where I started something and I was like, yeah, I'll just have this on right. while I'm kind of like attending to other stuff. Then after about half an hour, I was like, no, this is actually really good. I'm just going to stop doing what I'm doing and just watch this. Yeah, like I said, this is an Amazon Prime in the UK. I'm kind of, I'm unsure what the situation is elsewhere. But yeah, The Night Sitter, I liked it quite a bit. Oh, lovely. Perfect. So. Yeah. Nature Gone Wild. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> um, yes, your Nature Gone Wild side quest. So, uh, mixed fortunes, as side quests often bring. Uh-huh. Um, what about this week, then? Um, slightly better this week, but interesting for a number of reasons. I jumped onto Amazon Prime, obviously, because that's pretty much where all of this stuff lives. Went back to 2007 for okay. David Nerlich and Andrew Trockey's Blackwater. Blackwater, okay. Yeah. Now, this is an Australian film, also about a giant crocodile. This was made the same year that Rogue came out, which I talked about previously, the one with Radha Mitchell and a young Mia Wazakowski in it and stuff like that. Um, So this came out the exact same year, and I feel like because there was a lot more money behind Rogue and kind of bigger names attached, that that probably took a lot of the, the press away from Blackwater. But I would actually wager that Blackwater is considerably the better film of the two. Okay. Um, there's more tension in it. There's fewer characters. Like the crocodile is largely a real crocodile. Always good. Which is great. Largely practical effects as well. So yeah, I, I actually quite like this one. And I didn't realise at the time, but I just found out when I was kind of doing my prep for talking about it now that the co-director on this, Andrew Trocky, who weirdly also did a segment in ABC's of Death, was also the director of The Jungle, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, which I thought oh, was no dog way. shit. <laughs> Okay, that's kind of that's. That, I was gonna say that's kind of fun, not for you, but yeah. Okay, cool. So, bit more of a thumbs up this week then. Yeah, if you're of a mind to watch giant crocodiles killing Australians, then if you if it's bombast that you're after, go and check out Rogue. But if you want something that's maybe a little bit better and a bit more kind of insular and actually, frankly, a bit more believable, then I would say check out Blackwater. Good stuff. Yeah, moving on. What have they been saying? A decent amount of stuff incoming on the feedback this week. Unsurprisingly, the lion's share of that going to the subject of Friday's episode, which was, of course, namely Snakes on a Plane. (laughs) And thank you to guest no one for coming on to do that, but chiefly Mitch. I'm going to say again, thank you, Mitch, for choosing it, because that was a great time. Andy, you've suffered enough. It's about time I pick something that you would actually like. Yeah, if you could just do that going forward, I would appreciate that. Sure, I will do my level best, I promise. Loads of people getting in touch with their thoughts on Mm. this. Largely positive. Yeah, you say largely positive. I only saw one dissenting voice, and do you know what? I'm going to get it out of the way now, and I'm going to point my finger at James Rodriguez and say, what's wrong with you? Have you no joy? (laughs) Uh, Because James Rodriguez says, not my favourite film that Strong Violent PC have covered, but glad they got more enjoyment out of it. Oh, that sounds like a backhanded compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely does. (laughs) Well, you can't please all the people all the time, but James, glad you had at least some fitful fun with Snakes on a Plane. (laughs) However, uh, somebody who enjoyed it a little bit more, Neil, Horror of Dracula, getting in touch on Twitter. I had a ball with this episode, kept imagining Mitch and Andy holding up cans of Red Bull and smiling. Yeah, yeah, that's probably because we took the piss quite a lot out of all the product placement that is in Snakes on a Plane. Yes, yeah, quite a bit. Also, Rob Thorpe getting in touch on 
Twitter uh, just flagging up the grossness of the shoe in the ear sequence. Oh, yeah. Um, I also just said, forgot how motherfucking bonkers this is. Snake emoji. It certainly is that. Dave Cooper at Deluxe underscore man. I saw snakes on a plane at the cinema, and it was the best cinema experience I've ever had. It's up there with me as well, up there for me. Certainly outside the festivals, I would say it's Mm got to be a contender for me as well. Yep, everyone's screaming, laughing and hollering at the screen. The film ain't bad either. Probably not dated well, but it's a lot of fun. The film, I think, stated okay. The effects have not. Yeah, but um, we did talk about this kind of briefly on the episode in terms of like watching things from 15 years ago, particularly things that are kind of like indebted to B-movies and stuff like that. In terms of like things about it that you kind of are kind of like air quotes problematic now, there's not that many of them. There's some, for mm-hmm. sure. It's not without its problems in that way, but I think it's held up pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it has. I mean, it's it's weird. There's a strange innocence to snakes on a plane, I think, because with the exception of Dave Keckner's character, there's not really any massive villains in it except for Eddie Kim but he's like so sidelined the whole film he doesn't really have a part to play that he kind of root for everyone except for that fucking English guy who's an I was just going to say apart from stuffy Englishmen yeah but uh, but yes apart from that totally agree um, Barry Delgarno Delgarno Barry on Twitter as well just as it's come back on Netflix too god this film is the living epitome of silly and I love every minute of it which kind of seems to be a re- that's a reasonable distillation of all the feedback we've been getting to be yeah. honest yeah Dan Popomatic and a similar tip saying think I avoided snakes on a plane because it seemed to get a mixed reaction when it came out I think it's all a film that that's always going to get a mixed reaction when it from the kind of press and stuff like that uh, glad I watched it though because it's a lot of fun in a profoundly stupid way <laughs> oh excellent good yeah I suppose that's true um, I only have the one more on this so if you've got anything else on uh, Snakes on a Plane then bring it home uh, Scarebear at Scare158Steve saying tonight's film is going to definitely be Snakes on a Plane as I can't wait to hear what Andy and Mitch have to say about it on this week's Strong Violent PC this film to me is the definition of madness but it's so much fun again agree yeah absolutely um steve did get back in touch as well to say that he'd um he'd rewatched the film uh, i think he had a dvd of it in his house um which i do as well and it also said that he checked out the episode on his way to work so uh thanks for listening steve glad you enjoyed it yep uh james patrick duffy on facebook getting in touch to say i don't think i'm underselling it but snakes on a plane day might be the greatest day in the history of this podcast <laughs> Wow. <laughs> a, couple, a couple of people have gotten in touch saying that it was like one of their favourite episodes, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice. That, that must make you feel quite good, Mitch. It makes it feel good that um, that people can like an episode that much when it's just you and me. Sure, yeah. That's what I would say. You'd think people would be bored of us by now. Yeah, and you know what? Perhaps some people are. <laughs> Do you know what? A lot of what I've got left on Snakes in a Plane is of a similar kind of effusive tone. So I'm not yeah. really going to dig into any more stuff on Snakes on a Plane. If I didn't read out your comments, guys, apologies, but there's fucking loads on Snakes on a Plane this week and I've still got like five or six things to read out and I'm, I just, <laughs> I'm not going to continue to read people saying how good Snakes on a Plane is because we know it's brilliant, James Rodriguez. So uh, we'll move on. Yeah, just uh, uh, just before we completely head off that topic, I do want to say though that uh, Lauren Ashley Carter, Davison LAC on Twitter are getting in touch saying that she thinks that um, if you've never listened to Strong Violent PC, this is the one to get you started. Giggles and guffaws with Andy and stuff and who uh-huh. else but Mitch. So that's kind of interesting. That's nice as well. But like, um, uh, yeah, so there you go. If you're trying to convert anybody to the podcast, which we're trying very hard to get you all to do right now, <laughs> then yeah. uh, maybe take that advice. Got to say, Mitch, looking through the feedback today, I can see that it's an absolute sausage fest. So it's nice to see Lauren there, like standing alone in a sea of testosterone. Adrift in the testosterone. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, great to hear from you, Lauren. And thanks to everybody for getting in touch with the kind words on both the film and the episode. Really glad that you had a good time with that one. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, I just have the one more thing that I want to talk about really quickly, mm-hmm. and it's um, Gorehound, uh, Zombiesly, but getting in touch on the Chudlocker. Now, I have kind of peered back reading stuff out from the Chudlocker because it kind of takes care of itself. It's basically just like, it's a bunch of people having a bunch of really interesting conversations, but... If I was to go through all of it, then we would be here all day. And it is just cool. It's cool to sit back and watch people interact and recommend films to each other and stuff like that. But I'm kind of just happy to let that be like an arm of it to itself, mostly. However, if somebody says something particularly outlandish or flags up something particularly interesting, then I do like to mention it. And uh, Gorehound had one this week. He had his Twitter account locked. Oh, yeah, you sent this on to me. (laughs) Um, For saying that he was watching on the Arrow player, Why Don't You Just Die? Which is, of course, a film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very good, a good film. film. Very good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Twitter misconstrued this as a death threat, presumably to the Arrow player, question mark, <laughs> and um, locked his account. Um, apparently, he appealed it and uh, got it turned around within a day or two. But um, he got in touch um, to let us know that that had happened, and it, it did make me laugh, I must say. I saw someone had uh, started a kind of groundswell hashtag of Free the Gorehound as well. Yeah, I saw that. Brilliant. Ah, amazing. Uh, I've just got one more thing here, and it's from our old pal Kevin Matthews at Saltire Popcorn. Just a little recommendation here. Uh, going to give a heads up to the Strong Violent PC posse, that Outcast is really quite good and a bit different. So watch Spontaneous, but try to also find time for Outcast. Outcast currently streaming on Shudder. Yeah, I believe that was mentioned. Uh, yeah, that was mentioned alongside uh, the other titles in the streaming platforms roundup last week. So yeah. thanks for the heads up, Kevin. We'll try and check that out. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Well, well. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title, the tagline, and any other identifying text. He'll have left only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and to, where possible, give it a title and a synopsis. Now, last week we did uh, turn it on to you, Andy. Yeah, that was my Valentine's treat. Thanks, Mitch. You're very welcome. Yeah, uh, so uh, we give you 1971's Simon King of the Witches. Yeah, which people won't stop talking about now. Yeah, people want to check that out. It's on YouTube, apparently. Um, uh, which you reappropriated as Billy Zebub, Son of the Son of the Morning. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, loads of people got in touch, so I'm going to read the pick of the bunch this week. Also, just want to say uh, hello and well done to Andy McCartan, who successfully identified Simon King of the Witches from the poster. I think he was the only one. Amazing. Great work. So yeah, I think that that is, a, that is very much deserving of a shout out, if you ask me. But yeah, to this week's entries, Canel first then. Suburban parents in the sleepy Canadian town of Moose's Knuckle begin following local hedgehog carer turned satanic preacher Harry Minge into a world of occult practices, ritual sacrifice and poor hygiene in 1974's Your Ma's Cult Stinks. <laughs> Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, one man's attempt to infiltrate an underground death cult and rescue an attractive barmaid he only met once results in two alternate timelines and a lot of blades. It's double-edge, double-death. Cool, lovely. Yeah, I like that one also. Uh, Bill Carr, when Cassandra Felch has one too many and accidentally has a one-night stand with Beelzebub, things take a turn for the worse when she gives birth to conjoined quads Gail, Bob, Dave and Whitney. The fact that Bob and Dave come out fully bearded and brandishing daggers only adds to Cassandra's concern. She enlists the help of occult surgeon Lance Axewound to attempt separation, but the quads don't take kindly to this and an unholy battle ensues in Suckle at the Teat of the Devil. (laughs) That's pretty good. 
I think that that's pretty great. Yeah, C.P. Buckley, when Herman Hardon decides it's time to retire, he gets pulled back into his investigator life when he hears about the return of black priest Austin Comer. Comer was supposedly killed when a ritual he was performing to raise Mammon, the son of the devil, failed and he was killed in the aftermath. Ooh. Now, with the help of former cult member Joanna Topheavy, Herman must find a way to stop Comer releasing the devil's daughter onto the world of men. The ritual is ready, the sacrifice has been found, so now what was a race against time has become a race against time, and only Herman has any hope of stopping it. It's the 1992 Bargain Bin threequel, The Hard-On Factor 3, The Devil's Daughter Wants Her Due. Oh, I quite like that. Not bad at all, I don't think. Mm. I want to say hello as well to Laura Bynan. After listening to too much experimental music, graphic designer Marley Chanson has given up. See Psychedelic Kids sliced in two in 1969's Pantone Deadface. <laughs> James Rodriguez, in a fit of boredom, Ruby Sleeve decides to liven up <laughs> lockdown by mixing LSD and cough syrup. The concoction has an effect on her, and she seemingly awakes centuries into the past, defined by the monochrome look of the world. When she crosses paths with a knife-wielding rogue who wears a pretentious headband, she rightfully calls him an arsehole, causing him to seek vengeance against such foul language. Little does he know that an occult group take in Ruby and offer her newfound abilities activated by her potty mouth. Can she stop the pretentious arsehole out for blood? Don't miss the meta throwback in the potty mouth of madness. Swear to the wizard sleeve. <laughs> And finally, Kevin Matthews. After being shunned in his school when he tried to woo the girl he had his first major crush on, shy and awkward arty doodleface spends the next decade reliving the memory over and over while trying to make the perfect folded paper creation that would lead to someone opening up his favourite flap. Driven to madness, he uses his amateur origami to create a combination of grisly ends for those he sees as his lifelong enemies in the Ooh. 2010 retro horror Pick a Number, Pick a Death. Oh, okay, cool. That's your lot this week. I'm going to give the best pitch to James Rodriguez. Okay. And in lieu of best name, I'm going to give best title to Canel. Okay, no worries, that's fine. So James and Canel, congratulations, you are this week's winners. Yeah, well done guys, thank you very much. Whole load of nothing on its way to you, so... Yeah, but it's, I think it says a lot, by the way, that from doing this so long and from the kind of listeners that we have, as soon as I hear the word flap in a pitch, I'm like, oh dear. Connotations, yep. Yeah, yep. Anyway, yes, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Uh... Zooming its way to you now. Okay, got it. Right. <clears throat> Let's see. No border to this image. Uh, no. Bottom half of the image, or bottom third of the image is black, which I'm guessing is from where the text has been removed. Correct. Um, we have a hospital, mm. mm-hmm. presumably, dominating the kind of bulk of this photo. There is a light-up sign um, above the door that says hospital emergency with a red cross. That would be, I guess, pretty concrete evidence that we're at a hospital match. Classic sign. Yeah. All of the lights are off in the building. It's a it's a very tall building, probably about maybe 15 storeys high or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the lights are off apart from a selection that just so happened to be in the shape of a skull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is an ambulance parked outside and there are red motion lines coming out the back of it that suggest that it has arrived there in a hurry. Yeah, perhaps zooming up to the door just as quickly as this photo zoomed to your phone. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all against um, a deep orange skyline. Um, with some purple and blue skyscrapers, or at least that's the way they're lit, and also a large cross to our left of the hospital. Cool. And a, a small spattering of trees as well. So there you go. Ambulance arrives in a hurry to a hospital labelled Hospital Emergency. Uh, high-rise building. Uh, the, the hospital is a high-rise building with uh, lights on in selected rooms in the shape of a skull against a deep orange skylight. Cool. Perfect. Okay, I'll need a minute. Hospitals are kind of profoundly frightening places. I think. Uh, yes, I do not like going there. No. Uh, yes, it's 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 almost always horrendous. 
Um, Although, like, weirdly, like, apart from when I've fallen, which is many times, and had to go, smashed all your chin open. It was my, it was my nose. But yeah, uh and uh, yeah, and a couple of other times. Like, generally, I'm not there for like surgeries and stuff like that. Like, I've been quite fortunate in that way, but I'm very, very accident prone in others. Um, But yes, no, hospital is not a fun place to be, and uh, this one definitely isn't because I'm almost finished with my pitch. Oh wow, jeez, right, okay. Um, then let's waste no more time. Like, let's zoom up to this pitch as quickly as this ambulance is zooming up to this hospital. <laughs> okay. You're getting a lot of mileage out of that simile, you know. Yeah, I am. I know. <laughs> Just try to buy you some extra minutes to actually Thanks. make this good. You know what? I did actually tweet the I tweaked one detail while you were saying that, so thank you for that. Oh. Okay, here we go. Introverted orderly Simon Patience is gearing up for his first night shift at Our Lady of Minor Stomach Complaints Hospital, with a keen desire to both help people and get to the bottom of the hospital's famously high nighttime mortality rates. While things start out well enough, it soon becomes apparent that all is not what it seems. As he's plagued by increasingly terrifying visions, a dive into the history books finds that the hospital was built on the site of an ancient hospital, consumed by fires (laughs) years earlier. Every night, the doctors and nurses who perished that fateful night return, determined to help the patients in the present day, but doomed to make things considerably worse given that everything and everyone they touch immediately dies. Will the hospital inhabitants survive the night, or will Simon run out of patients? Find out in 1983's slapstick comedy horror, Ghospital. Simon says, stay alive. I rolled my eyes so much when you used Simon Patient's surname. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I quite liked it in spite of myself. Thanks very much. Um, okay, so I said 83 for this one. You're one year out, my friend. It was 1982. Oh, damn, okay. And what's the film? The film is Visiting Hours, starring Michael Ironside and William Shatner. This sounds like something you'd have seen. I have seen. It was actually, it was uh, one that found its way onto the Video Nasties list as well. Um, okay, is it one of those ones that you're kind of like, oh, what's that doing there? Or was it actually kind of like worthy of that, do you think? It's very much one of those ones where you, you're kind of like, this is this doesn't need to be there. It's also, by the way, quite good. Okay, cool. Um, what's it about and who's synopsizing? <laughs> the synopsizer this week on IMDb is, uh, and I don't know what you're going to make of this, but it's... Uh, Suspicious. Oh, okay. Okay. I am dubious about that person's motives. If only there was a word for that. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect he's up to no good. <laughs> uh, okay, lay it on me then, suspicious. TV journalist Deborah Balance campaigning on behalf of a battered woman who murdered her abusive husband. One viewer is Colt Hawker, a homicidal psychotic who despises all women. And now, none more so than Balin. Uh, there's some stuff here that I'm just going to read as it's written. Um, okay. Hawker goes to Balin's residence where he begins a sadistic lesson. His goal? <laughs> to not just to murder her, her <laughs> but to do it in the most terror-filled way possible. Okay, excellent, good. Visiting hours. Right, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, how accessible is this? Uh, it's out on Blu-ray just now. I can't remember who put it out. Somebody like 88 films or somebody like that. But you can currently buy it on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. so that is a Visiting Hours. And that concludes Mitch's pictures for this week. The image is everywhere now, of course. So by all means, get pitching. Uh, join in the fun. You may well get it right out next week. And also, potentially... 
Follow in the footsteps of James and Cannell. Be one of the winners. That'd be exciting. Streaming platforms for this week then, February 22nd to February 28th. Amazon Prime, you've got a new episode of American Gods on Monday, but that's about the height of it. Oh, okay. Um, on Sky Cinema, I've got a couple of things there. On Saturday, you've got You Should Have Left. This is a Bloomhouse film. Uh, strange events plague a couple and their young daughter when they rent a secluded countryside house with a dark past. Kevin Bacon's in this. Okay. On Sunday, we've got The Silencing, which stars Jamie Lannister. <laughs> from Game of Thrones not playing that character but that guy um, a reformed hunter and a female sheriff get caught in a deadly game of cat and mouse bleh, when they set out to track a killer who may have kidnapped his daughter five years earlier cool Netflix then Friday the 26th we've got the girl on the train but not that one it's a 2021 <laughs> Netflix original Indian remake okay of uh, the film from 2016 a troubled divorcee fixates on a seemingly ideal couple from afar until a shocking observation sends her spiraling straight into an intricate murder case and on Sunday the 28th we've got Jordan Peele's Us amazing brilliant a serene family vacation turns frightening when a family's nightmarish doppelgangers descend upon their beachfront abode I love this film yeah me too I am quite willing to make the concession that I think that Get Out is probably the better film Us is the scarier for me Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like the actual scene where the doppelgangers descend on the family is one of the scariest things I've ever seen in the cinema, and I still to this day don't know why it got under my skin so much. Okay. But um, but during that sequence, I actually wondered if I might have to go outside. Jesus, right. I don't know what it was about it that put my teeth on edge, and I've been kind of uneasy about rewatching it ever since, so I have that to look forward to on Sunday. Um, Shudder then, having you back as well this week, some good stuff on Monday. So today, if you're listening on release day, we've got Takashi Miike's One Missed Call. Right. Student Yoko receives a phone message from her future self, ending with her own death scream. Two days later, she dies in a horrific accident. As the mysterious phone curse spreads, claiming more young lives, Yoko's friend Yumi teams up with a detective whose sister met the same fate to try and unravel the mystery. Now, on Thursday... Now, Shudder, we can't get into it yet, obviously, but we'll be getting to it in the coming weeks. March on Shudder is nothing short of spectacular. Unbelievable. An incredible lineup of stuff, old and new, coming your way there. Some stuff that we've had a lot to kind of to do with on the show, one way or another, mm-hmm. and things like that, and a few other things that we're really excited about. For this week, though, Andy, I know this one is uh, one that you've been keeping an eye on. On Thursday the 25th, we've got the arrival of Brian Bertino's The Dark and the Wicked. Yes. So, of course, from the director of The Monster and the Strangers, mm-hmm. on a secluded farm, a man is bedridden and fighting through his final breaths while his wife slowly succumbs to overwhelming grief. Siblings Louise and Michael return home to help, but it doesn't take long for them to see that something's wrong with their mother, something far more than our heavy sorrow. So that's your lot for this week. I would say of the stuff that I've seen, mm-hmm. us, without a doubt, and in terms of the new arrivals, Dark and the Wicked for your pick. Dark and the Wicked, all the way for me. Us is great. Some really great stuff in general, but like I say, just, and like actually, I was talking about Shudder having some great stuff. Netflix has got some really cool, some interesting stuff from the last couple of years coming in as well. Over the next little while, yeah, it's like, like you guys have got a good Easter coming up, put it that way. Very exciting, March. Very exciting. So, turn your attentions to this week's show then. <laughs> it had to happen sooner or later. Um, and I'm officially declaring February on the show as a snake month. Yeah, something that we should probably apologise to Caitlin Downs for right now because I know in the aftermath of doing Snakes on a Plane this week, uh, I think uh, she was triggered by a lot of the uh, serpentine content. Yeah, and uh, that's not letting up this week. Now, we have a record breaker this week returning to the show for an unprecedented fourth time. She is the writer and director of the upcoming Arrow release, The Stylist. It's Jill Gavargazian. Yes, and uh, I don't know if I necessarily need to tell people what Jill's coming back to do. By the way, amazing to have Jill back and incredibly timely, um, something we'll get to in just a little moment. But uh, yeah, we are going for the fourth entry in the Anaconda franchise. 
It's Anaconda's Trail of Blood from 2009. Obviously from the same director as part three because I think they were shot back to back. This is great and like I say, amazing having Jill back because this is just like a week before the stylist lands on the Arrow player. Yeah, it'll be a matter of days before it hits um, by the time the episode actually airs. So it had to happen sooner or later and it feels like no better time than now to do it because I kind of feel like Jill's been on the show a couple of times that have marked kind of points in the process for getting the uh, getting the stylus to where it is like she appeared when it was just launching the kickstarter and mm-hmm. uh, when it was shot when it was premiering and stuff so it's nice i think it's kind of cool that we're doing the final anaconda film as it is actually kind of coming out into the wider world yeah i think that's there's something really quite sweet about that i think and yeah and it's just always a treat having jill on she's a fucking hoot how you feeling about that if you want to let us know loads of ways to do that of course facebook and instagram are strong language violent scenes you can tweet us at strong violent pc you can email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com and you can also get in on the conversation on our facebook group the chud locker yeah and of course we have a patreon page patreon.com forward slash strong language violent scenes we have been updating that and we will this week be taking a look at the tiers and just restructuring them a little bit like we say no one's going to be asked to pay any more money but you may wind up paying very slightly less if you're on uh, slightly higher tiers but uh, yeah we will be still putting out content there's loads of cool stuff there just now go and have a little look and uh, yeah thanks to everybody who continues to support us and big thanks right away to Adam Guest who actually upped his pledge this week thank you man you didn't have to do that but amazing that you did thank you so much very cool we are back in your main feeds this Friday talking Anaconda's Trail of Blood with Jill join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds goodbye bye You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.